0: guys, welcome to Lords of Order, a DC Dr. Fate fan podcast. This is episode 52 and I'm your host, Ed Moore. Word to the wise, here there be spoilers. If you want to leave feedback, you can send it to the Dr. Fate podcast at gmail. Bigtimenoise.com slash Dr. Fate is the website, the Lords of Order has Facebook and Google Plus pages, and if you are a Twitterer or a Tweeter or whatever that word is for that, Teal Productions is where you can tweet about Lords of Order, or Dr. Fate, actually. The book, this episode, is the new volume of Dr. Fate, issue number five, brought to us by Paul Levitz and Sonny Lou. Lee Loftbridge and Steve Wan's Colors and Letters, respectively. Oddly enough, and I think this started uh, an issue or two ago, Levitz and Lou are listed as storytellers. I guess that means that their working is much more collaborative than just a script and just a uh, pencil inker kind of relationship. So uh, that's kind of cool. Um, you know, since I've been reading comic books, there have been massive amounts of changes, and some I uh, am more in favor of than others. But I, I do like the equal billing, because I suspect that in most cases, going very, very far back in the comic medium, it was much more a collaborative effort than, um, you know, what what it was typically portrayed. Now, I will say something about the cover, perhaps, that is, that is not all that positive, because the, the cover is nice uh, enough, I guess. I don't have a problem with the art or anything like that. I believe it's brought to us by Mr. Liu, uh, by the looks of it. Six-panel cover, uh, like it would be a comic page. But the, the panels, five of the six show Dr. Fate, and one shows his human alter ego. But what's going on on the cover has nothing whatsoever to do with the story inside, as, as far as I can tell. So I, I don't understand, particularly if the artist for the cover is the same that's doing the interiors, why he would put together a cover that was uh, disjointed from the story itself when he, he would know full well what the story was, I, I think. so. I, but the, this cover, it, it didn't move me. It, it looks different. It looks interesting. It's eye-catching because it's laid out like a comic book page. But the content just, why, was my question. Why? So, there we go. Uh, the first page of the comic is the actual first page of the story. We've got different uh, paper clippings spread out here on the page for us. And then we have, basically, uh, we have Anubis uh, speaking. And we know that because it's the black um, text bubble with white letters, which is the, uh, the thing, uh, um, I'm sorry, well actually that has been what's been done with a. Anubis, but uh, this turns out to be Bastet. I apologize, starting out. Uh, if you recall, Bastet was the cat that Khalid had, and Puck was the cat's name here. Uh, Bastet throws it out for us. But she, as it were, and Khalid, who is in his uh, human guise, uh, walking, uh, he's still walking home from school, that day, his first day of medical school, which is what encompassed issue four primarily, uh, this is a direct time continuation of that. So he's, he's still still trying to make his way home from his first day of, of school, med- medical school. And he's talking to Bastet. She is trying to uh, convince him now, not that he is Dr. Fate, but that he has the ability to be Dr. Fate, Um Khalid is, as I would imagine, a you know 17, 18, 19 year old boy uh, with very little life experience. Is feeling is no, this you know I, I can't do this. He has done some things successfully, but there are other things that he has attempted to do as Doctor Fate that he has not been successful at. So, as most of us are, the negatives stay more prominent in our mind than the positives, and so as far as he is concerned, he can't do it. He doesn't have the metal to do it uh, ultimately Bastet forces the helmet on him literally through through uh, active will active mind uh the supernatural power that these egyptian uh, avatars seem to have in our world forces it on him and shoes him home you know go on home use this um My impression was the idea being the more you use it, the more familiar it will become, the better you'll become at it, uh, the more at ease you will be with it. It being uh, the power that he wields as Dr. Fate, the the power over the forces of order. On the way home, he sees um, some men looting a store, and one, one of them says that this is the biggest flat screen TV he's ever seen. And by the way it's drawn, I, I think I might just have to agree with that, because it's two men and the, um, well, just needless to say, I, I'm not sure that I've ever seen a, a flat screen TV this big either. So they're trying to make off with it. Dr. Fate intervenes, <laughs> but one of the um, bad guys here, he he subdues one but one of them apparently is carrying a piece and starts taking shots at Dr. Fate which kind of freaks him out cuz that's you know that's really the first time anybody's truly fought back since he since Khalid has been wielding Fate's powers so he uh, uh flies off falls draws, you know it's it's a it's a very uh nervous scattered kind of erratic flight pattern that he has to the building top uh Maybe he's doing it on purpose, maybe he's not uh, because he's so upset. But he gets to the top of the nearby roof and uh, uh, centers himself and, and the um, the Dr. Fate side of him uh, convinces Khalid that he can do it. So he, he renews his uh, his attack on these men, takes the TV away from them so they no longer have a target, Gets two of the three to run off, and he he stays with the third and has just a a little conversation with him, and and something we don't know if, if Doctor Fate leaves. We don't know if he calls the police. We just know that he leaves one of the three thugs tied up with the cables that he had to hook up the TV, uh, laying there in the rain uh, on the sidewalk. Uh, that's that's all we know. Uh, a scene here with the young lady, let's see, what's her name, Aleya? No, Shaya, I'm sorry, Shaya, uh, where she is texting Khalid, trying to sway him over to her more um, uh, traditionally Muslim relationship that they would have, because she seems to be more traditionally Muslim, and I say that not, uh, condescendingly, or you know, negatively, but she's always portrayed wearing that that head wrap. Uh, I believe that uh, that I, uh, as a an Anglo American, um, have associated with a, a more stricter Muslim lifestyle. Uh, whether I'm right or wrong, you know, if I'm wrong, I apologize. Um, but uh, th- that—that's my impression of what they're trying to portray. Uh, his current girlfriend is more modern, more American, perhaps, uh, and Sheya is more traditional, more Muslim. Uh, is um, and that you know that would be an interesting foil for Khalid to have to deal with—is—is is these two different lives, um, both of which are very relevant to him but both of them kind of competing for his time and energy and he having to choose how he is as this uh, burgeoning man is is going to live. He finally gets home. His mom notes it's been hours <laughs> since school was out, and we, we know that too because we've been following him along. Um, so she's a little concerned, and, and Khalid kind of snips and snaps at her that, you know, it's good, it's raining, things are pretty nasty out there. just took me a little while to get home. It's, it's cool, Mom, just, you know back off Um, she at this point obviously doesn't understand anything outside of the normal Khalid life so he's still trying to hide all that from her he's wondering how to find Anubis now he's up in his room kind of ruminating because he realizes Anubis is behind everything that's going on Um, he has kind of faced and, and that's lightly faced Anubis, and you know, as Dr. Fate, he really didn't do well. So, that's kind of weighing on his mind, too. He's wondering where Anubis is. The Helmet of Fate appears, No, I'm I'm sorry, no it doesn't, it rises out of his backpack. So, the Helmet of Fate is always tangible, I, I suppose, and in its full form, he's always carrying it around. I would hope that there would be a better way to do that, but so far, perhaps, that's that's what we're being told. The helmet shows Khalid on his laptop where Anubis is, and he's at the Myomanides Medical Center, if that's pronounced correctly, um, which also turns out to be the place that his dad is at, having been injured, previous issues by uh, an attack by Anubis, actually. So here at the hospital, uh, there's some stuff going on. It looks like there's a fire that's broken out. The firemen are saying that they can't contain it, that they need to tell everybody in the hospital to evacuate. We go inside the hospital and we see some of the officials trying to foster that evacuation. But unfortunately, a portion of the hospital or a portion of a wing has been cut off from being evacuated because of said fire. Uh, Oddly enough, in this portion that has been cut off is uh, Nasur, Khalid's dad. Uh, Mr. Nasur. So, we go to him and his room. Now, remember, he's blind from his accident so far. Anubis is there in this uh, jacked-up jackal kind of form. And he's talking to Nasur... Because uh, back, if you recall, he his dad warned Khalid about the call of the jackal, and that was because something had been triggered in his memory. Well, in fact, when he was a child in Egypt, Anubis had attempted to kill him previously because of his descent, because of his bloodline. Um, so interestingly enough... Anubis is reacting it, it, a, dub, a double purpose. He's um, trying, to, uh, trying to conquer the world. Um, and, and I say it that way because that's you know pretty typical of bad guys. That seems to be always what they want. They, they want to take over the world. But also, he's doing this with Khalid out of fear because of the bloodline that Khalid represents. That is a bloodline that can defeat Anubis if he learns how. And Anubis is aware of this and tried to snuff out this bloodline early on, was unsuccessful, so now has come back to finish it. Now, why he's messing with the dad, I I don't completely understand because there still is a son to contend with, even if you kill the dad. So I guess maybe he's trying to get rid of the entire bloodline so that none of them can come back and get him. And so it would just have to be a very stepwise process. Uh, but right now he's focusing on the dad, and he's about to, it looks like, you know, from from the way it's drawn here, finish him off just as fate arrives. And so a fight ensues briefly between uh, the avatar of Anubis, or I guess perhaps Anubis himself, just in this form, and Doctor Fate. Doctor Fate still realizes that he doesn't have everything he needs skills, control of his power, whatever it would take. So rather than continuing the battle, he scoops up his dad and runs with his dad. The idea being, well, you know, he's after both of us. I'll hide you, dad, that way I don't have to worry about you, and then I'll go back and, you know, see what I can do about putting this Anubis dude down and and just getting over this stuff. So he takes and he, uh, he hides his thinks about hiding his dad in a nearby ambulance but thinks no no that's that's too obvious and as he's trying to continue to get away he's distracted because Anubis uh, intensifies his attack on the hospital physically Uh, the hospital now starts blowing up and breaking apart and uh, threatening not only the people inside but the people who are still outside trying to get away and, and just intensifying the um the the, the the reason that dr. fate would would want to intervene so he does he turns around um, to try to help uh, try to to stay off some of what is happening to give at least the people outside a chance to get away and Anubis uses that as a distraction knows full well where dr. fate is and attacks when dr. fate you know kind of stops and turns around to, to try to help. In this attack, um, Fate and his dad, Mr. Nasur, plummet to the ground. And there's kind of a, a standoff here now between Anubis and Doctor Fate, who is holding Mr. Nasur. Not not knowing what to do. There's a, there's a conversation here between the two of them. Um, I it's it I don't think that it was really uh, significant for this particular issue. Basically, Anubis is explaining why he is after Nasur, why he is after Khalid. Um, As I indicated, it has to do with the bloodline. Their bloodline is directly descended from the pharaohs of old, as it turns out. So, you know, basically Khalid is being clued in uh, a little bit more as to why what's going on is what's going on, or why it's going on, I should say. So, uh, uh, the the typical bad guy soliloquy, uh, you know, so that if there is something that we haven't caught on to, we can't help but catch on to it, because they just come out and tell us. Uh, there's a page here of individuals that are involved in Khalid's life that are concerned about him for different reasons. His girlfriend... His mom, Alea, and one of the teachers of his uh, one of his uh, teachers from med school, because of the storm and everything that's been going on, classes have been canceled uh, indeterminately as far as length. But this is the next day from the day he was walking home from class and starting that day forward until uh, things get to be more normal. Classes are canceled, except this one teacher who has sent out um, some communique. Uh, You can't tell if it's email or if it's a text or an IM or what it is. But she says, attention students, class is canceled due to the flooding, but we'll do a supplementary online class instead. Please log on no later than 11 a.m. today. So um, we see perhaps that the pressures of med school now are going to become a little bit more significant as far as yet something else that he has to do. Current girlfriend, family, represented by the mother, uh, the current girlfriend and Aaliyah, the two competing aspects of his. Um, I don't want to say his religious um, lifestyle in particular, but uh, just his his place in the world, I guess, where where um, what path he wants to walk. Uh, not not trying to get too meta or anything. I, I don't do meta very well. I understand it. I, I just can't necessarily put it into words. Apparently, my brain doesn't function with words because I can never seem to find them. It must function in pictures or something. Maybe that's why I like comic books. Um, so finally, we we see that Anubis uh, has offered Khalid a uh, deal. Khalid. Wants Anubis to stop. And he wants his dad to see. And he beseeches Anubis. If I do what you say, which is turn over the helmet. Will you do these things? Stop this attack and heal my dad's eyes. And Anubis says, well, I can do both of those quite easily. So, yeah, we'll do that. Anubis is the bad guy. So, you know, come on, what's going to happen? So Khalid in his... I don't uh, desperation. As a hero in his naivete, uh, does take the helmet off. Does hand it to Anubis. Anubis takes receipt of the helmet, and wham! Khalid's dad is healed. The rain and storm stop, and Khalid is suddenly stricken with blindness, or at least that's what we're led to believe, and that's where the story ends. So, um, we we are cliff hung or cliffhanged or whatever the word would be by the fact that of course the bad guy does what they said they were going to do but not in the method that they led you to believe they were going to do. There's another podcast that I'm intimately familiar with that talks about Marvel's Thor and Thor's half-brother is Loki and Loki is so well known for doing this sort of thing. There may be other characters in comic bookdom that are as well, but I'm more familiar with Loki. But that is tell he he tells people what he's going to do. And and he he never varies from that. He does what he says he's going to do. But what he says he's going to do is always the end result. You know, ultimately this is what it will be. And he never illuminates to the other party of this um, uh, deal, as to how he is going to get to the the end result, and that is always where you know Loki, and of course Anubis, because Anubis is a very similar god to Loki, different pantheon. We will get from A to Z, yes, but where the other letters in the alphabet are, I never say because I'm going to take some kind of funky secure route that benefits me and doesn't benefit you. That's, that's always the methodology. So that's what we're left with. Uh, at this point, it looks like at the end of issue five that Khalid's dad is, uh, well, is, is okay from what we can tell, that Khalid is now blind and that Anubis has the helmet of Thoth. Uh, I, I apologize. I keep calling it the helmet of fate, but in this story, it's the helmet of Thoth. And there we are. Next time, uh, for the next three episodes, we'll flip back to some good old golden agey goodness of Doctor Fate. Episode fifty-three will focus on the Doctor Fate story from More Fun Comics issue seventy-three. We'll find out what Kent Nelson and Inza have been up to. Thanks a lot, guys. Talk to you then. Lords of Order is a teal production, and as such is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, non-derivative, 3.0 unported license.